Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, again, good morning. Uh, As I said, today is Pentecost, and on Pentecost, we get to celebrate a birthday uh, together. So every year, we mark this as the birthday of the church, the day when the Holy Spirit came and a new people in Christ was formed, and that people is called the church. That's who we are. Uh, Now, maybe celebrating uh, Pentecost is relatively new to you, Um, Maybe you've been missing out on a birthday. In other words, you didn't even know that you had. Uh, You get to celebrate today uh, another birthday, not just your physical birthday, but the birthday of Christ's church. And so what I want to do this morning is we're going to talk about two things, I think, that will help us kind of understand how this celebration of Pentecost fits with our life with Jesus. And the first thing I want to talk about is how we mark time. And then the second thing, we'll talk specifically how Pentecost in particular helps us as followers of Jesus understand who we are and how we're called to live together and our mission in this world. So the first thing I want us to look at uh, this morning is how Pentecost and other moments in the life of the church help us to understand a godly perspective on Time, And that's because God hasn't just given us a day like Pentecost or a few days like Christmas and Easter, uh, but he's actually given us a calendar that can help us mark time and reminds us of the story in which we find ourselves, his story of salvation and redemption, what you might call uh, gospel time. That's how we as followers of Jesus live. Now, maybe you never really thought about the connection between time and faith. But how you keep and mark time actually is a really important spiritual question. Uh, Why is it a spiritual question? Why does time have anything to do with how I live in faith? Um, It matters because how we mark time both shapes us and reveals what's important to us. Our view of time can draw us to Jesus on the one hand, or it can actually function as a barrier Uh, to Jesus on the other. Uh, Theologian Hans Borsma said it this way. He said, to the extent that we as Christians are captive to our secular Western culture, it is likely that this secular, secular culture will get to set the church's agenda. If we do not see ourselves sacramentally connected to time and thus to Jesus, we sense no accountability to Jesus and we are likely to accommodate to whatever demands our culture places on us and capitulate to them. In other words, our life in Jesus has the power to change how we see reality. While many religions offer a way to escape reality, the Christian faith is actually about redeeming reality. And so God makes time, and he wants us to understand time as something he's given us and created for our good, not something that we should war or kind of buck against. And this idea of redeeming time and giving thanks to God for his deliverance and blessing is not something that's new when it comes to time. It goes all the way back to how God created 
the universe. It goes all the way back to his people, Israel. God gave them, in particular, feasts, different feasts for uh, them to keep, things like the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which we also call Passover, which is outlined in Deuteronomy 16, the Feast of the Weeks, which is what Pentecost emerges from, which can be found in Deuteronomy 16 and here in Acts chapter 2, and the Feast of Booths, which is in Deuteronomy 16, 13 through 17. And these different feasts are the major feasts of Israel. They help them remember and give thanks to God for his deliverance and for his blessing. And now as followers of Christ, we too have feasts and seasons. We mark time to help us celebrate God's ultimate deliverance and his blessing in the person of Jesus. Now, having said that, let me just say, you know, this weekend we celebrate Memorial Day. A few weekends ago we celebrated uh, Mother's Day. Uh, These are good ways to mark time. This is not a call, in other words, to reject every cultural holiday. Rather, it's a call for the church to mark time first and foremost by Jesus. So it's a matter of priority and, again, how we live and shape our lives. And one way we can do that is using the liturgical calendar. This is new for some of us. Uh, And so maybe we'll just kind of pause here and think through what is the the flow as we go around the sun together. uh, What is the flow in the calendar year of the church? So the church new year begins with what season? So this is is participation time. What what season does the church calendar begin with? Advent. Advent. Great. And Advent then moves to Christmas. And then Christmas, there's a little one that comes right after Christmas, easy to miss, starts with an E. Epiphany, good. And then after Epiphany is this long season of preparation that leads us up to Holy Week and Easter. And what's that long season of preparation called? Lent. And then we come to Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And then after that is today, which is Pentecost. Okay. And then here's, here's bonus points. What's the season between Pentecost today and uh, what comes in Advent. There's a long run, takes us all the way through the summer and the fall, and it's called? Ordinary Time, because it's boring. No, it's not, that's not why they call it. Why, does anybody know why they call it Ordinary Time? It comes from the word ordinal, I heard it. What, is, what does that mean? It means counting time, like one, two, three, ordinal, right? So Ordinary Time is, a way to think about it is, We've celebrated that Jesus has come and given us his spirit, and now we're in kind of this in-between time where we're waiting for him to return. And so as we wait, we look forward to, we count the days when Jesus shall return, which is also brings us back full circle to Advent, right? So see how the calendar, the calendar works. So this morning, uh, I just want to highlight just the fact that each of these seasons, each of these moments in the calendar has uh, its own gifts to us, their own set of prayers, signs, symbols, and colors. Uh, so the color of Pentecost is red, which you can see on the frontal or you can see usually on the stole uh, that we wear up front. And so as these different things change over the course of the year, they're reminding us that our way of marking time actually is oriented around the person of Jesus. All these things are pointing us back to him. Um, And so we want to remember that, and today I want to look specifically at Pentecost and how it helps us mark time, how it helps us understand Jesus and the ministry of the church together. So let's look at Pentecost. Uh, So does anyone know what Pentecost, what the word Pentecost means? 50, I heard, yeah, so 
Pent, right, means five. So Pentecost gets us to 50-50. Why is 50 important? What 50 has happened? 50 days since since the Passover, right? Yeah, so it's marking time. So Pentecost, the Jews were celebrating and marking time, and they would go from the Passover meal, then they would come to this next meal, this next uh, feast, as it were, called uh, the Feast of Pentecost, or it's sometimes called Shavuot, or the Day of First Fruits. So that's the, the celebration. It was already there before Jesus, but then it gets kind of redefined and repurposed in the coming of Jesus. And so it was about, from the beginning, it was about giving thanks to God for the gift of a good harvest. Faithful Jews would then come from all over the world to Jerusalem, from different nations, to to celebrate this feast. And for followers of Jesus, it became a feast of thanksgiving as well, for the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, and the beginning of this harvest of souls, right? This great drawing in of Jew and Gentile into the kingdom of God. So on the Jewish holiday of Pentecost, in the year about 34 or 35, we think, A.D., God did something miraculous. He sent his Holy Spirit upon this gathering of Jesus' disciples. We're told there was a wind and what seemed like uh, tongues of fire over them, and there was an outpouring of praise and worship in all these different languages. We're gonna come back to why that's so significant. But it was this noisy, crazy, chaotic, unbelievable experience in some ways, and yet it was very purposeful and very ordered because it was exactly what Jesus had told them was going to happen. And so as this unfolded, what happened next is Peter the apostle preached a spirit-inspired sermon to all of those who gathered because of what was going on, and they heard about Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection, and that it was predicted by the prophets long ago. God was fulfilling his promises to his people Israel and the world, And so here is Jesus, Peter said, your Savior, your Lord, your King. And that God is now come among us through his Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus of Nazareth told us would occur. And so when Peter had said all this, he invited them to put their faith in Jesus. As they were cut to the heart, it pierced to the core of who they were. And they realized that apart from God, there was no life. And so they gave their trust. They put their allegiance to Jesus, and thousands of people that day came to accept Jesus as their Savior and their King, and they asked Peter, what now shall we do? His answer was fairly straightforward and clear. Believe for yourself in this Jesus as the Son of God. Repent of your old way and walk now in this new way in the forgiveness of your sins and the fullness of life in him and join us as we form this community of new people across the globe who love and follow our new King Jesus. That was his invitation. If they would take these steps of faith, they would be rescued, redeemed, and filled with his Holy Spirit, and they did, and they were. And that's what happened at Pentecost. This was uh, the first gathering of God's newly formed people. Some 3,000 people, were told, put their faith in Jesus and started to follow him that day. And over the next few years, that group of people became this genuinely loving, compelling, imperfect, but grace-filled community that was following Jesus. Now, how did all that happen? 
It all happened through the coming of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And so this morning, what I want to do, in light of what happened that first Pentecost, I want to highlight three things about the ongoing work of the Spirit in Christ's church today, in our lives, and here at Apostles. Why Pentecost, in other words, matters for us today as followers of Jesus. And so the first thing I want to highlight is the fact that the Holy Spirit is a gift to Christ's church. It's a gift to the church. After Jesus' death and resurrection, he told his followers that he would be returning to the Heavenly Father, which he did at his ascension, but that he would not leave them alone. He promised in Matthew 28 that he would always be with us. How would he be with us? He would give us his Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, as we just read, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He will dwell with you and be in you. He will dwell with you and be in you. The Spirit of the living God will dwell with you and be in you, is what Jesus said. Let's just think about what that means for just a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of the living God in you, living within you. The spirit that created the universe is in you. The spirit that breathed life into humanity is within you. The spirit that delivered Egypt, Israel from Egypt is within you. The spirit that parted the Red Sea, the spirit that filled Moses and Joshua and David and Solomon, all the prophets, that same spirit of the incarnation the spirit of the signs and wonders and healings of Jesus, the spirit of the resurrection, the spirit of your baptism, the spirit of Jesus who reigns even now at the right hand of the Father. That is the Holy Spirit who lives with you and within you. That is the spirit that we have as followers of Christ. And I want us to remember that because when Satan comes to you, when the world comes to you, When your mind begins to speak things that are not in line with who you are as one filled with the Spirit, remember what you've just heard. Remember what we've said. Remember what happened on Pentecost, that this Spirit is with you and in you. So when Satan says you are a nobody, when Satan says you're a failure, when you are tempted to feel defeated and discouraged, remember, even when you have trouble in this world, that you are a child of God and Jesus says you have a helper. You have the Spirit living within you. And so we have this gift. Pentecost reminds us that we have this gift of the Holy Spirit within us. Second thing Pentecost reminds us is that the Holy Spirit bears fruit in Christ's church. The Holy Spirit bears fruit in Christ's church. What happened at Pentecost was just the beginning. It was amazing. It's a one-time thing but it was something that continues to reverberate throughout creation. This move of the Holy Spirit, eventually, it gained the attention of the world. It's interesting, the Roman emperor Hadrian uh, was impacted by Pentecost. He began to ask questions about who is this community called Christians or followers of the way. And so as he explored, he asked the philosopher Aristides, tell me about these Christians. Aristides was a pagan, and so he set out to find out all he could about these Christians. And this is what he wrote about these people who had been filled with the Spirit of God. He said, they love one another. 
They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who would hurt them. If they have something, they give it freely to the one who has nothing. If they see a stranger, they take him in and are happy as, they, as though they were a real brother. They don't consider themselves brothers in the usual sense, but brothers and sisters instead through the Spirit in God. No wonder people were drawn to this community. This is how a pagan describes followers of Jesus. He could see it. The world could see it. They've been changed, in other words, because of this gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the church didn't begin to win people to Jesus because the church was so wonderful as a group of people. (laughs) They hadn't figured out all the tricks and tips for life. It was because they had the Holy Spirit who had come to live within them, and he brought all the gifts of God to them. Gifts of wisdom and faith and generosity, gifts of humility and teaching and leadership, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so these people that were seeking to follow Jesus who'd been filled with the Spirit, all this fruit was coming from this community and bearing witness to those around them and drawing people to Jesus. Now, did all that happen immediately? No, it was a process. It was a process of formation. It took time and it took effort to become that kind of community. Later in Acts chapter 2, we discover that they actually took up a lot of different habits to live out this life in the Holy Spirit. For one, they came together daily for meals, we're told. They gathered regularly for fellowship. Uh, The other thing they did was they learned the teachings of Jesus by those uh, who had been entrusted with them. Uh, And then the other thing they did is they worshiped and prayed together in the temple and in their homes regularly. So they were establishing these rhythms, these patterns, these habits. In other words, they were filled with the Spirit of God, which produced this devotion to God and to one another. And so their whole lives became reoriented around this person of Jesus, including, for example, how they used their time. They wanted to use their time to be together. They wanted to use their time to be with him and to become like him. And so faithfully, they took up this way of life, both personally and corporately. And what happened when they did? We're told in Acts that awe came over them. They were amazed at what God was doing, not because of who they were, but because of what he was doing through his spirit in them and through them. They experienced signs and wonders. Prayers were answered. Healings occurred. Miracles were sometimes experienced. A spirit of generosity and love came upon them. They took care of one another. Those who were wealthy shared it with those who were in need. God gave them favor with their neighbors. And day by day, we're told more and more people were drawn to them and came to faith in this Jesus. They were a diverse group of people in every way but what they had in common was this Jesus. This isn't something that happens because you have the perfect church vision or the right strategy for life groups. <laughs> as important as it is that we gather and that we have programs and we are intentional about what we do, it's important to realize that you can't just produce love like you can uh, with a machine. It's not just something you crank out like a function. You can't just produce love and sacrifice. You can't just decide to have your reputation that draws people to Jesus. You can't program awe. You can't schedule miracles. You can't organize generosity and love. 
But these are the things that happen when a body of people are seeking to be wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus and to one another and are filled with God's Holy Spirit. And so this is what God wants for you and for me, what he wants for apostles and what he wants for our friends and for our neighbors. He wants this kind of group of people to live out of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we've received um, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we received these gifts of the Spirit. And then finally, the Holy Spirit sends us out as Christ's church. When the Spirit came that first Pentecost, people were drawn to Jesus. Thousands came to faith in him. It, uh, and in a really interesting way, it's a reversal of the Tower of Babel. We read that passage from Genesis chapter 11. It tells the story of how people tried to essentially usurp the power of God and the authority of God by making their own way, building this great city and a great tower uh, for their own salvation apart from God. And to prevent them, what did God do? God did two things. He confused their language and he scattered them. He dispersed them, we're told, across the world. And I think it's no coincidence that then here at Pentecost, People from many languages across the world are united through hearing of the one gospel through the one God and his one and only son, Jesus. Pentecost, in other words, was drawing people who were far from God back to himself. Not just Jew, but Gentile. The whole world was invited to come to Jesus. The work of the Spirit is to reveal Jesus not just to us, but through us, in other words to a world that is scattered and confused. God wants our little neighborhood church here at Apostles to be a glorious outpost of heaven where people get to hear and see the gospel being lived out. This is exactly what happens in the book of Acts. Thousands came to faith that day, but that was just the beginning. Jesus had commanded his followers to take that good news to the very ends of the earth. And 2,000 years later, we still are taking it to the very ends of the earth. This morning, there are people who are hearing the gospel for the very first time somewhere in the world. This thing that we have and we've been given, this blessing of receiving the gospel, they're just hearing it for the first time somewhere in the world. There are people moving from death to life in Christ. And here's the invitation of Pentecost. We get to be a part of that. And not just around the world, but right here in our world. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he invites us to be a part of what he's doing all around us to bear witness to this Jesus. And so there are people in your life, your neighbors, people you're working with tomorrow, people you're going to school with, people who um, you'll cross paths with just for a moment. And the invitation of Pentecost is that you get to share what you've received, this spirit of the living God is moving powerfully through his people to share the good news of the gospel. And so when we're filled with the Spirit and when we believe and trust in Christ, we can give ourselves to one another and we can give ourselves away to those who don't yet have Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, who in your life needs to know that God loves them? Who in your life needs the power of God's grace and forgiveness and healing? God has sent you to them. He has sent you to them. He gave you his spirit to minister to them. So I want to encourage in the wake of Pentecost this Sunday that we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see those around us that need Jesus and then ask him to help us love them as Jesus has loved us.
To that end, I want us to seek the Holy Spirit together and ask him to fill us so that we might go forth filled with the Spirit to do the work of the Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit. So, to end, maybe that leaves us asking a question. Well, how do we be filled with the Spirit? How do we be filled with the Spirit? If we're called to, to receive the Spirit and, and, and manifest the gifts of the Spirit and go forth in the Spirit, we have to have the Spirit in all its fullness. So as I said, we all have been given the Spirit, but to be filled with the Spirit is to let God's power work in you and through you. Uh, one, one time I heard it compared to a sponge, so I found this helpful. It's like a sponge. A sponge can be dipped into a water bucket and saturated with water, filled with water, but only if when you take it and you squeeze it and you put it into the water, you actually release your grip. And then the sponge can be filled with water. But if you hold tight, even though you get the sponge wet, if you hold tight when you plunge it into the water and you pull it out, it'll be wet, but it won't be filled with water. And so maybe right now you are sincerely seeking to follow Jesus. You're, you're a believer and you have the spirit within you. And I would say maybe this morning you're wet, right? You, you've been plunged into the waters of baptism sal- saved by Jesus Christ, but yet you have not totally released yourself to be filled with the spirit. Maybe you're wet, but not filled. Maybe there are some areas of your life where you're holding on to parts of yourself that you've not yet trusted to God, to his care and to his control. In those ways, you're not spirit-filled. And so we can't experience all that God wants to do in us and with us. Maybe there are parts of your life right now that you're not willing or able to give to God. And Pentecost is an invitation to surrender those parts of yourself to him. Maybe it's certain goals. Maybe it's plans, relationships, secrets, sickness, fears, hurt, insecurities, areas that you need to give completely to God. And God says, stop holding them so tightly to yourself. Release them and let me give you my spirit, fill you with my spirit. Trust him with all these things. That's the invitation of Pentecost. God wants to pour out his spirit on the dry ground of our hearts. And if we will, ask him to, he will be faithful to hear that prayer. Maybe you've never asked the Lord to fill you with his spirit. I want to encourage you, ask him to forgive you for withholding anything from him and invite him to simply have his way with you, all of you. We can pray the ancient prayer of faith, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. So this morning, as I end, I just want to create a little bit of space just for us to do that. On this Pentecost, that we would receive this gift of the Holy Spirit and that we would invite him to come and fill us as we leave this place this morning. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have come, that you came at Pentecost and that you are a gift and you fill us with gifts and you bear fruit in our lives. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have the power to draw others to Jesus through us. And your invitation to us today is that if we will open ourselves to you, you will fill us and transform every part of us into the likeness of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just want to simply pray these words. Holy Spirit, will you come and fill us? 
Holy Spirit, will you come and fill us even now? I just want to encourage you, you don't have to do this out loud, but just even in the silence of your own heart, if you would have the courage to pray that prayer, to trust that God loves you and wants to give you this good gift, I just want to invite you in the silence of your own heart that you might say that to your Heavenly Father. Lord, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling us with your Spirit that we might be your people, experiencing your transformation in every part of our lives and bearing witness to who you are, Jesus, to a world that desperately needs him. Lord, I pray that we be encouraged this morning because we've been with you and because we've heard your good news and because we have been filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray you would send us into our week full of life and joy and the hope that is ours in Christ. We pray that in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.